tonight, what's it feel like to have a 29-year-old? said, it makes me feel old. Y'all know it's Clay's birthday today, 29 years young. Think of that. And, uh, yeah, so enjoy 29. And uh, be 50 soon. That's scary, isn't it? Two years. You know, think about that. When you say, well, how old are you? I'm just a half a century old. It's not good, is it? And I'm feeling it tonight. I'm tired. So I'm going to ask y'all a question tonight. Will y'all help me a little bit? There it is. I just, I need a little bit of, I just need a little bit of vocal tonight. Because if y'all go to sleep, I'm liable to go to sleep too. All right. I'm going to start out with some humor. Humor's good. You know, uh, it's Home Improvement Month. Men don't always say what they mean. So I'm going to give you some translation tonight, all right? When a man says it would take too long to explain really what he means, I have no idea how it works. (laughs) Y'all knew better than that. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard. Really what he means is I can't hear the game over that vacuum cleaner. When a man looks at a woman and says, that's interesting, dear. He means, are you still talking? (laughs) When a man says, just a guy thing, or you know, it's a man thing. He means, there is no rational thought pattern connected with this. And you have no chance of making it logical. That's what that means. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When a man says, can I help with dinner? Really what he means is, why isn't it ready yet? <laughs> Here's <laughs> When a man says, whew. I don't remember saying that. It's because he means anything that I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. (laughs) Here's another good one. When a man says, that's not what I meant. He means if something I said can be interpreted two ways and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. It's good stuff. When a man says, oh, don't fuss about it. I just cut myself. It's no big deal. Yeah. What he really means is I have probably severed a limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit that I'm hurt, so get over here and help me, please, before I pass out. (laughs) When a man says, I can't find it, what he means, it 
didn't hit it didn't fall into his outstretched hand, so I'm completely he's completely clueless. I got two more. When a man says, you look terrific, he means, please don't try on another outfit. We're late and I'm hungry. When a man says, drum roll please, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are. What that means is no one will ever see us alive again. (laughs) Would you open your Bible tonight to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2, and uh, I don't have a mic on tonight, so I'm going to stay behind the pulpit, Brother Chris. I'll try to stay here where people can hear me. I have a very loud, deep voice, and so... I'm sure I'm not hard to hear. Acts chapter 2. But I do realize there's people watching online tonight. And the only way they can hear is through. um, Would it be better if I get a handheld? Let me just get a handheld. We'll just mute this this mic here, brother. And I'll just use a handheld. Sound good? Check. Red is on. Thank you, brother Chris. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is a well-known passage of scripture. And. You know, it's Home Improvement Month. I want to deal with relationships this week, this month. I want to deal, not that I am an expert by no means, but uh, I'd like to spend some Sunday nights on dealing with, uh, you know, relationship with children and, and uh, disciplining and, and training and raising children. Not that I'm an expert, but the Bible is, and I want to spend some time on that on Sunday evenings. And, uh, but I just feel led tonight to deal with keeping our church relationships. And, uh, you know, you say, well, that's not really a home improvement, but it really is. Uh, Our church family is family. Amen. And uh, it's very important to our home. It's very important to our individual lives. And uh, so I want to talk tonight about keeping our church relationships. I believe we can find it right here in the passage. Acts chapter 2. Let's begin reading with verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and all had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll help us tonight. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to say, I meant to say this Sunday, the air conditioner... um, ventilation here has been put in we have two big returns of the ceiling in the back we have another return right back here behind the piano which is a good thing we're pulling air away from the piano and we have another vent right underneath here that's now working and so this room should be um, circulating air and we should be in good shape i will say this um, not that it needs to be touched um, (laughs) but the thermostat is now in the back and so we now can regulate that back we can leave it on it for all of you folks to get cold and we'll keep it cold up here and y'all can keep it hot back there all right 
And so we got to have it cold up here so the preacher won't go to sleep. And I would rather it not be too hot back there because you'll go to sleep. Right? The perfect temperature in a church building should be 69. That's scientifically proven. should be 69. So anything above that, people can go to sleep. But anyway, Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at keeping our church relationships. You know, this is the early church. It's beginning um, right here. We're reading the very early church when it all began. And we understand that it's even talked about here how important their church relationship is. Now, I want you to think about it a minute. Relationships is really what life's all about. I mean, I want you to think about that. Relationships are really what life's all about. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, think about it. Look, it's more important than the balance of your bank accounts. It really is. It's more important. The value of relationships and keeping those relationships properly is more important than properly maintaining your bank accounts. Why? Because I'm going to say this. Think about this. No other factor in life will produce more stress, more fulfillment, more joy than what happens in our relationships. I want you to think about that. When relationships are not where they're supposed to be, life is not what it's supposed to be. There's no doubt about it. You show me someone that does not have proper relationship in their church, I'm going to show you a miserable person. Their life's going to be affected by it, especially if they're a Christian. So think about it. There's no other factor in life that will produce more stress, more, more fulfillment, more joy than what happens in our relationships. Now, in the context of this passage of Scripture here, in Acts chapter 2, I want you to consider with me the relationships that we have in a local church and what does that provide for us. Now, think about this. Here, here's, here's one. I've got four or five here just by way of introduction. One of some of the things, consider the relationships that we have being in a local church. Number one, we have an opportunity to form genuine friendships. Genuine friendships. I mean real friends from the church family. Real friends. I mean friends that will stick with you. Friends that will be there for you. And so it's very important. It gives us an opportunity. Now, just because we're a part of a church doesn't mean we're going to gain friendships. That's because the Bible says if you're going to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. You must show yourself friendly. And so we understand that it gives us an opportunity to form genuine friendships. Number two, it enables us to bear each other's burdens. Being a part of a church family, we can bear one another's burdens. And by the way, you got to have burden bearers. And even if people don't know every individual's specific burden that I'm carrying, just you being a part of my church family as you're praying for me as I'm praying for you, we're burdening one another's problems and we're burdening one of each other's burdens. We're, he we're helping to bear them. Now, you might not, by the way, I wouldn't encourage you to go around telling everybody your problems, but there ought to be several people in this church that you're close with, friends with, that you can share your heart with and know that they're going to encourage you. By the way, if you're going to just keep people down all the time, you're not encouraging people. We have to be careful. And by the way, let me just say this. We're all human and we're all going to get down. We're all going to get discouraged. You're not, there's no, there's no super spiritual person living on this planet that's not going to get discouraged. 
We're all going to get discouraged, but we have to encourage one another to stay encouraged. What does it mean to encourage somebody? Well, that's in the word. You put courage in them. So we ought to encourage them. It enables us to bear each other's burdens. Number three, builds a prayer network. You know, we have this one call. We're able to send that out. And I'm thankful. I don't know how many people come to me and say, Pastor, I want you to know those one calls are so helpful. Keeps us up with things, but we can also pray at any moment. We can have hundreds of people praying over a matter, and it can be done in just a click of a button with a prayer chain, with a, with a call. Uh, we come here on Wednesday night. We pray together. We're always giving prayer requests, and so we can build a prayer chain, a prayer network through our local church, and we do. That's a benefit. Number four, places us under the protection of spiritual leaders. That's important. Now, look, I'm not saying this to be ugly, but there's parts of ministry people don't want to talk about. There's parts of ministry, when the Bible talks about when wolves try to enter in to kill the sheep, nobody likes to talk about that. But the truth is, there are people from time to time that infiltrate this building. There's wolves that's been in this building. There's been wolves that has been associated with us. And there ain't anybody that likes to deal with a wolf. But by the way, the shepherd is there to protect the sheep from the wolf. And when the shepherd realizes someone's a wolf, the shepherd has to deal with them. So I want to just say to you, a lot of times some people might say, well, where did so-and-so go? Well, sometimes they was wolves. You say, oh, well, Pastor, how do you know? Because wolves like to tear things up. Wolves like to kill people. Wolves like to, to, to get in and, and do things that they're not obviously helping the church. They're hurting the church. And so it's very important. By the way, all of us have a safety because we're a part of this church. You know what it does? It gives us all accountability. That's a good thing. Now, sometimes accountability gets frustrating. But to be truthful, accountability is good. Um, I made this statement to somebody. I truly believe that everybody in this church would trust me with their billfold and their pocketbook. I would hope. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. If you can't trust me with your pocketbook and your billfold, then you don't need to be trusting me with your spiritual life. But you know what? I even have accountability here with money. I don't touch it. I don't know it. I don't see it. I don't know anything about it other than what I'm told or if I ask a question. I can't write a check. I don't do any of that. I do have a check card, but everything is accountable. There's not one way, there's no way in this church that I could drain a dime of money and steal a drop of money from this church. But here's what's amazing. Not a one of you would think I would do it. But at the same time, the accountability for me not to be able to do it is good. Accountability is good. And being accountable to a church family is good. Can I say, think about it. The benefits of the relationship should not, we should not let our church relationships, our brothers and sisters in this church, we should never let a relationship deteriorate. 
That means sometimes you got to fight. That means some not like fight, fight. That means you got to fight not to have hard feelings. That means you got to fight not to have bitterness. That means you got to fight not to have hard feelings. That means you can't get you can't let your feelings get hurt. By the way, we got to fight. Why? Because we we don't want our relationships to deteriorate. We want to strengthen them. So let's look at some principles here tonight found in this passage. We probably won't get through them all, but let's look at some principles tonight. How to strengthen our family relationships. Number one, we find it right here in verse two. Look at verse, I mean, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'm just going to stop right there because I believe the first principle is steadfast. Just be steadfast. What's that mean? You must stick around. You got to stick around. You got to stick around, stick stuck like glue, be committed. Man, I'm telling you right now, we've had some saints, boy. We've had some soldiers. We've had some gooders go to heaven just recently, man. Brother John Talent. I thought about Brother John Talent. I'm going to tell you something about Brother John Talent. He was stuck, boy. I can remember sitting in my office on Sunday mornings when he was able, and he had this Sunday school class over, that big booming voice. I can hear his voice in my office. And man, I'm telling you right now, men like that, we've got men here now that are just faithful. They've just stuck around. They're committed to the church. And by the way, we're committed to the relationships that we have. And let me encourage all of you. On Sunday morning, we've got a lot of new people visiting. I would hope that every one of you would get to know every one of them. Make yourself friendly. We've got to be committed, and we want to be committed to our relationships here. We want to strengthen our relationships. We want to build new relationships and let me just say this, to become a member of a church is really what you're doing is you're joining arms. You're joining arms. You're joining arms, but you're also joining with God in his work in this world. How's God going to get his work done? He gets it done through the church. Now, that ain't my plan. I'm not telling you that tonight just because I'm saying, well, the church is what God uses. No, God says he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's God's plan, not my plan. He founded the church. And so we understand it's important when we are a part of a church family, we are a, a part of his work in this world. And, we, and look, it should be exciting for Christians. We ought to be committed to relationships. Let me give you some helpful biblical counsel here on just some how to just stay committed. This is simple stuff, but we find it right here in the passage. Committed. It said continue. In other words, committed, steadfast. What do we got to be committed to? Well, look at verse 42. The first thing, they said they were continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So we have to be committed, here it is, church, to God's word. We got to be committed to God's word. That's everything we believe and teach. If I got up here tonight and I pulled out the Reader's Digest, which I don't even know if they make them anymore. Do they? I haven't seen them in years. I will tell you what I picked up this evening. Now, I, I haven't seen a farmer's almanac in years, but I picked up a calendar today that was a farmer's almanac calendar. How many of y'all know what the almanac is? How many of y'all believe in that sign stuff? Some people do. I'm telling you right now, them country people up here on the mountain now, I'm going to tell you right now, in West Virginia, you didn't plant that stuff in the hill. Now, some of y'all might think I'm wrong here, but I think some of that stuff's they know what they're doing. They're doing it by the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Mountain people do that stuff. And I'm going to tell you right now, my grandma was usually right. Some of y'all can tell are skeptics. 
but I picked up an almanac. Well, let's just say I brought the farmer's almanac in here tonight and I started preaching God's word out of the farmer's almanac. We'd all be in trouble tonight. Now, I know there's some good things in the farmer's almanac, but it hadn't been given the promise that the word of God is. This is the word of God. It's God breathed. It's been preserved and it's perfect. And so we've got to understand and be committed to God's word. Doctrine is the glue that holds us together. Look, everybody's different here. Some of us are tall. Some of us have a lot of hair. Some of us have less hair. Some of us have no hair. Some of us have dark hair. Some have red hair. Some have gray hair. Some's tall. Some's short. Some's skinny. Some's healthy. That's not what by we drove in here tonight with Fords, Chevys, Nissans, Toyotas. People say, well, I'll tell you what, what's, what do you have in common? I'm gonna tell you what, and we're some of you, we got Yankees here. We got some here tonight. We've got some Midwesterns. Hey, we've got hillbillies here tonight. We got people up on Sand Mountain, then we got city suckers from right here in Chattanooga. We got people tonight watching from all over the states. We've got them out west and southwest, northwest. We've got folks tonight listening all the way in California. What is the common denominator that holds with all of those different personalities, with all of our preferences, with everything that we deem different, what is the glue that holds us all together that we can bond around? The Word of God. We can agree upon the word of God. Hey, you might not like a Nissan. You might not like a Toyota. I think you're, something's wrong with you if you don't like a Toyota. Hey, I would prefer to take a leave to help me with a headache. Some of you might like Tylenol. We might disagree on that, but we don't disagree on the word of God. And by the way, that's why people ought not be fighting about that stuff. Because those are preferences. Just because you like to leave and I like Tylenol, it don't mean you're wrong and it don't mean I'm right. It amazes me. People want to fight about stuff and it's like, well, look, man, if that's what you like, fine, but it don't mean it's the gospel. That's your preference. It's amazing. <laughs> if you ever ran into somebody, if you don't do it just like they do it, you're wrong. How many of y'all know somebody like that? I don't know about y'all, but don't that drive you nuts? Now look, I'm, I'm one of those kind of people, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But look, man, if there's a better way, it's not going to kill us if to, to try it. But see, that's not what we're doing here. We are, we are bound together. We can be unified. We can be unified and we can be common denominated by the Word of God. It said they continued steadfast in doctrine. We must agree on what we believe. Now look, again, you might think, hey, I like a Chevy, you like a Ford. That don't matter, but I'm going to tell you right now, it matters in the church on how, what you believe to be saved. You see, that's a doctrinal issue. That's a cardinal doctrine. That's settled in the Word of God. Faith. Salvation comes by faith through, through grace. Listen, God has given us salvation. It is a gift. We must repent of our sin and by faith trust Christ. That's a cardinal doctrine. So we understand we've got to be committed to God's word and committed to Bible philosophy. We ought to be committed to Bible beliefs. We're all going the same way. So we can be steadfast in that. 
Number two, we can be steadfast and committed not only to God's word in verse 42, but look what else in verse 42. We can be committed to gather together. Look what the Bible says. And they continue steadfast in the apostle doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship. You ever notice in a Baptist church, fellowship normally means food. We fellowship Sunday night, amen. Somebody told me they ate so much food, they was up at one o'clock, couldn't even sleep. <laughs> I did pretty good Sunday night. We fellowship, didn't we? But look, we ought to stay together. We got to stay together. We got to get together. Families ought to get together. Friends ought to get together. Young couples ought to get together. Can I help every young couple here? Your best friends ought to be people in your church. That's why Sunday school is so important. That's a smaller group where you can get to know people a little bit better. So that's a plug for Sunday school. Can I say, we ought to be committed to gather together. We ought to be worshiping together. We ought to be praying together. When we gather here together as a church family, we're being instructed together. So we ought to be committed to gathering together. Then notice this. We ought to be committed to godly conduct. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. Think about this. They prayed together. That's why Wednesday night's so important. Man, I'm thankful, I'm honored, I'm humbled to be around some of the great prayer warriors and I get to be with them here tonight on Wednesday night. But we ought to, great friendships are those in which each friend strengthens the other in his spiritual walk. A real friend helps you. A real friend doesn't hurt you. Now, let me clarify. That does not mean that your friend will never hurt you. Because sometimes if your friend is going to be honest, they're going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. And yes, that stings. Ouch. But a good friend is one who cares enough to comfort you when you need comforting. To challenge you when you need challenging. But here, this is it. But to correct you if you need corrected. And you, in our most sincere, humble way, if we'll understand this, we need it. We need that. We need friends. We need relationships. People that will help us, not hurt us, help us. Honestly. You could probably count on one hand, maybe two hands on who the true real friends you've had in your whole lifetime. People that really care. Let me just say this. I'll tell you what else a real friend will do. They'll get to know you. They'll get to know you. And they'll care who you are and what you like and what you think. And they'll try to understand you. You know what I'm saying? They'll try to get to know your heart. A real friend. Steadfast. Number two. Sensitive. Right here in the passage. How to strengthen our church relationship. Be steadfast. Committed to the word of God. To gathering together. To godly conduct. But let me just say sensitive. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common... And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now, let me just stop right there a minute. 
For them to be able to be able to help people, notice that last phrase, that all things common and had all things common. And then the Bible said, they gave us to every man that had need. Now, wait a minute. The only way that they knew that every man had need is that people are sensitive to people's needs. We got to be sensitive to people's needs. We're paying attention. We're listening. Think about this. Notice they were sensitive to each other's needs. Can I ask you all this? Are you? Have we gotten to be, and look, our, I think our church is a very giving church, but I'm talking about individually. I'm not talking about a whole, because I'm going to be honest with you. We give to a lot of things, but that's normally, and I'm not being ugly. I know there's probably more you would come to more, but normally that's just something that I might be sensitive to. But individually, you know what really makes a church work is when every individual is sensitive to needs of others. By the way, you're going to be privy to things that I'm not privy to. Someone might say something to you they're not going to say to me. And we ought to be sensitive to people's needs. Uh, notice they were sensitive to each other's needs. It's a good thing they were. Might not have made it to the next generation if they weren't. I'm going to say this, and y'all know this is true. Nobody cares what you know. People don't care what you know until they know you care. So, Pastor, how's this church grown? I'm going to tell you how it's grown because they know it's a church with a heart. That's when people really get plugged in. It's when there are people in this church that take an individual concern, an individual tenderness, an individual sensitivity to someone else that's hurting. Just like today. I didn't do that just to gain a church member. That broke my heart when Brother Mark had told me about that young man and that woman today. It broke my heart. And I don't even know him very well. I met him once. I know Brother Market knows him better than I do. But I'm going to be honest, that broke my heart. And when I called him today, the very fact that I called him, and I would have not known to have done it unless Brother Market called me. But I immediately called him and said, look, and he said, you will never know how much this means because I don't know him. Now, look, I'm not saying that to brag on me. Brother Market called me just to put it up for prayer. But I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you something right now. That man will grow to be, if he goes to be 60 years old, he'll never forget that. Why? Because somebody cares, sensitive to their needs. And I'll be honest, I think we ought to do a little bit more for them than me just pray for them. I'm sure they're struggling. You say, well, Pastor, what are you trying to do? Trying to get new members? Well, would that be a bad thing? To get them in here and get under God's word, a young family, and grow in the Lord? And they say, I'll tell you right now, I don't know much, much about that preaching. He's awful long-winded, but I'll tell you one thing. Those people care. Amen. And then, by the way, he might just come here because we care. And then, hey, you never know. One of them long-winded sermons might hit him and his wife right between the eyes. And who knows what God can do? See, that's how the thing works. Y'all know that, right? Can I help everybody here? Ain't nobody coming here because your preacher's eloquent. I'm going to tell you why most people have come to this church that's visited because somebody has showed them they have been sensitive to them and they've cared about them. You know why Papa Bill and his whole family got here? Because a crazy woman in Walmart. 
No, a friendly. So the, I, I'm going to tell you what I did. So a young couple showed up the other day at the funeral, and then they come over there to the house, happened to be there, and so I was looking, and I didn't want that couple to see me. I didn't even know if they went to church or where, but I looked at, I started pointing at Marsh, and I was like, get them. Get them. Get them. And she was, you know, she was looking at me like, you know, and I was her one. Because you know what? They expect me to do it, but you know what's really powerful? When you do it. Brother Scotty and Miss Ashley, y'all had a couple come Sunday. And uh, encouraging. I went, he come up to me after service, and I said, man, it was so good. And he's a hunter and a fisherman. So look, preachers do all they can, man. I got talked with him a little bit about hunting and fishing. And next thing you know, he looked at me. I didn't say this, but when he walked out, he said, we're going to be back. I said, praise the Lord. Listen, be sensitive. Why? Here it is. Y'all ready? You know what the early church was? You know how they built these relationships? They were gracious towards one another. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, let me just say this. They had all things in common, and when they found out they had a need, they were sensitive to that need. They were gracious. A godly friend desires God's very best for the ones that they're connected with. They want the best. They want the best. A godly friend does. He's not jealous of you. She's not jealous of you. The right kind of friend wants the best for you. That means if he's driving a Pinto, if I'm driving a Pinto, if I love that man, if he's my friend, it doesn't matter whether he's driving a Harley and I'm driving a Pinto. Y'all know what an old Pinto is? Some of you have no idea. That's a car you wouldn't want to drive today. It certainly ain't a Cadillac. Y'all a tough crowd tonight. We ought to be gracious towards others. Hey, notice this. Sensitive to what? To other people's burdens. Now, I know sometimes we get so put out with this because everybody's got burdens. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. Sometimes my burdens get so heavy. If somebody comes in my office and dumps one on me, I feel like I'm about to just, just fall up and underneath it. But you know what? We cannot get calloused to other people's burdens. I'm going to tell you what a real friend does. They don't just look out for number one. So we got to be sensitive. We got to be gracious towards one another. Then let me tell you this. You got to be generous toward one another. They were generous. They were not only gracious, they were generous. Generosity impelled the early Christians to sell their goods to meet other people's needs. When's the last time you had someone have a rummage sale and every bit of those proceeds go to somebody else? That's what they did. They were selling their things so they could help somebody else. Not put it in their 401k, but to help somebody else. They were generous towards somebody else. Generous with our finances. Yes, generous with our time. Yes, generous with our counsel. Yes, generous with our compassion. Think about it. People want attention. How about our time? How about our attention? How about same principle? We ought to be generous. So they were sensitive. Why? They were gracious toward each other. They were generous toward each other. And then quickly we'll close. They, they had singleness of heart. Look at verse 46. The Bible said this. And they continued daily with one accord. Then look a little bit later, verse 46. 
They eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Singleness of heart. The picture people, they were unified. They were not putting on. They really cared for one another. They were unified. They were in harmony. See, let me tell you real quick, and I'm going to close. Unity requires constant effort. It's not something, if you just let something go, if you let a relationship go without putting effort in it, you're not going to have unity. If you let a church go and all the relationships that's entailed there, you let that thing go and you don't put no work in that, I'm going to tell you what, you're looking for a mess. Let me give you some real quick things. It doesn't just happen. It requires work. Number one, it takes great effort. Humble hearts. Because if you're going to be in a church very long, you're going to get your, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Now, we're not striving to hurt people's feelings, but people's feelings. By the way, my feelings have been hurt. More so when I was a younger Christian than now, I understand this thing much better now. I don't wear my feelings on my sleeve anymore. I can't. Nor do I want to. But again, I'm saying this because I'm human too. If we're not careful, our feelings can hurt. But we have to have a humble heart. We can't be full of pride. Because if we're full of pride, we're not going to keep our relationships right. By the way, if somebody else was asked to preach, it ain't going to bother me. I mean, I know this is my pulpit. But I'm just saying, I'm not in a place anymore in my life. I get jealous because somebody else is preaching. No, I get the opportunity to listen to that person preach. We gotta have humble hearts. I'm gonna give you this one now. This one you might think strange, but here it is. Y'all ready? Thick skin. <laughs> you better have some thick skin, boy. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. You better get you some thick skin if you're gonna serve around in the church. Because I'm gonna tell y'all right now who will humble you quicker than anybody. A child will. Man, they've made me cringe with some of the stuff they've said. Man, one of them little kids went up to somebody the other day and oh. <laughs> It hurt me what they said. Ooh, I said, I wish I didn't hear that. You know, one of them come up to me. It was back, um, it's been a while. This was a child come up to me. Now, I could expect an older person saying this to me, but a child come up to me. This has been years ago. said, Pastor, you're getting fat. <laughs> well, I fixed him. I've lost all this weight. You better get you a thick skin. Hey, if we're going to keep our relationships right around here, we got to keep, we got to, we can't, we can't have, we got to have thick skin. But let me help you this. You better have a thick skin, but you better have a tender heart. And sometimes that's hard to balance. And then here's the last one, and this is big, and I'm going to quit. You better have a willingness to forgive because you're going to get hurt. Not because people are going to try. Not because that's what people want to do. It's just the nature of the business. And we have to be ready to forgive. God help us. Amen. So let's keep our relationships here to church right. Amen. Keep them strong. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you again for your word. Thank you for the early church and all the principles that they have given to us. I pray you'll take these words, speak to our hearts, and help us. I do thank you for real good friends. They've been great blessings to me in my life. So, Lord, I pray you'll help me to be the right kind of friend. 
I pray you'll help us to maintain our relationships. We'll thank you for all you do. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you Sunday. Invite somebody to church.